Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. we took um last week off we did we took last weekend off we probably should have posted but we were both just living in a fantasy world mm-hmm. coming down off of the high of our queen taylor swift yes and we didn't have like our voices were not the greatest because of all the screaming we did i've never been so sore in my life from <laughs> all the walking and standing that i did but it was worth it. She's always worth it. So she was. We she had was. a wonderful time. Yeah. So. Glad we made it back alive since I almost got us killed walking back to the car garage. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You sure did. Mm-hmm. I was um not feeling awesome after the concert. <laughs> and I was way overstimulated and I decided to walk across a crosswalk and flip everybody off because they were blowing our horns at us, even though the light told us we could go. And I <laughs> I, I really did so like like I wasn't a pedestrian and they were in a car and right. they could just, you know, skirt. Like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, so the case I have for you today is one that everyone from our area will recognize. For one, because it happened in Kingsport, Tennessee, where I'm from. And also because it's recently been in the news. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be a good time to cover it. I can think of some of my worst nightmares. And what this case kind of made me think of is, I don't know if you remember, but in 2016, we were having issues with people dressing up in clown costumes. In clown costumes. In clown costumes. (laughs) And being pretty, like, threatening towards people. I can remember thinking during that time, like, new fear unlocked. That's definitely going on my list of worst nightmares. It was so creepy. And I just remember that being like a huge problem for a while. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I'm actually going to um, dedicate this episode to one of my my best friends, Jessica, because (laughs) she has been terrified of clowns since we were kids. And since 2016, I'm like, now I get it. Uh, But (laughs) I was real mean about it with her. I would like, just send her random clown pictures on just like a random Thursday afternoon. You're such a good friend. I know I am. <laughs> uh, you've got to be tough to be my friend. Uh, and, and that ain't no law. It ain't for the week. <laughs> but anyways, when I started diving into this case, it just took me right back there to like 2016. Because for the victim in this case, it definitely became a reality, unfortunately. On Memorial Day weekend, on Saturday, May 26, 1990, Marlene Warren was having breakfast at her house in her upscale neighborhood in Wellington, Florida, with her 22-year-old son, Joey, and some of his friends. 
It was a nice but somewhat rainy day. Around 10.51 a.m., there was a knock at the door. When she opened her door, there stood someone with a red nose, an orange wig, face paint, and a clown suit. In their hand were red and white carnations in a basket and two balloons. Immediately, no. The balloons were Snow White themed and said, You're the greatest, written on them. Marlene was surprised and said something along the lines of, How nice or how pretty. The clown handed over the flowers and balloons, then pulled out a thirty-eight caliber pistol. Marlene was then shot in the face right above her upper lip. The clown said nothing, not a word, just turned around and headed back towards the car they pulled up in, which was a Chrysler LeBaron, and then drove away. Joey rushed to his mother's side when he heard the gunshots, and 911 was immediately called. She was rushed to a nearby hospital and unfortunately did succumb to her injuries two days later. Joey would later tell police that, by what he could tell, the shooter had brown eyes, broad shoulders, and big hands. That's basically all he could get considering the suspect had a clown costume on. Right, so I mean, that's a full body thing. It's worth noting, though, that he would later recant that and say that he thought the shooter had a slight build, which I'm sure it was hard to even concentrate on on remembering such details when your mom had just been shot. Right. You know, you're not going to recall things very clearly. So now the police have a murder investigation on their hands. You just don't hear about stuff like this unless it's in a horror film Mm -mm. or some thriller novel. This kind of thing definitely didn't happen in this quiet and safe neighborhood that the Warrens lived in. Marlene didn't grow up in Florida, though. She actually grew up in Michigan on her grandfather's farm. She was kind, loved to bake, and she also loved to paint. Do you want to take a guess at what she loved to paint in particular, Katie? Clowns? Yes. She loved to paint clowns. See, this is so opposite of what we've always been told. Yeah. With this case, everyone's always, it's always just been public knowledge. Yeah, Yeah, the rumors are that she hated clowns. That she was scared of clowns. Yeah, but really, um, her parents actually had like an entire room in their house decorated with clowns. And some of her paintings of clowns were hanging on the walls. Good. They even kept it that way after Marlene's death. I got literal chills when I learned that. I don't know that I could do that. I know. Marlene married really young to a man named John Ahrens. Actually, by the time she was 15, she had a son, John Jr. Then not too long after John, she had her second son, Joey. Dang. Yeah. As a mom of two boys, I can only imagine what that was like at such a young age. Like, But Marlene would not only be a mom at a young age, she would also become a widow. Her husband, John, died in a car accident, making Marlene a single mom. That's a lot for a young woman to deal with, especially when you're barely an adult yourself. Mm -hmm. But this brings us to when she met Michael Warren. Now, Michael Warren was actually a few years younger than her. When they got married, she was 22 and he was 19. In the late 1980s, they decided that they were going to pack up and try to make a life for themselves in Florida. They would also be closer to Michael's family that way as well. So they're in Florida, and things are going well. While Michael has a job as a meat inspector, they start investing in rental properties. Marlene is running this thing. I mean, she's like running this, man. Right, she's being a boss bitch. She is. She's running this business basically all on her own. She's running it so well that they start to make some good money. Michael ends up buying a used car lot called Bargain Motors. 
They also buy their dream home in Wellington. It was actually in a subdivision called the Aero Club. Sounds fancy. Yeah. This is, well, this was the type of place, like, with country clubs and nice parties, you know, really well-to-do people. Right. Marlene and Michael seemed to have a lot of separate interests, however. She concentrated on the rental properties, keeping those running smoothly, collecting rent, and so on. Michael loved going out, he loved horse racing, and even took up flying. But with all those hobbies, his neighbors didn't see him much and considered him a loner. He just didn't fit in. In fact, the people of his community started to become quite weary and even suspicious of him. When Michael took up flying and became a pilot, he bought a small airplane. That airplane would wind up getting stolen, and later when it was found, it was found with its engine broken. The horse he owned that he would put in these thoroughbred races ended up getting stolen as well and was later found dead. Stuff like that just kept happening, and mm-hmm. the neighbors were just like, uh, what's going on with this guy? Yeah, that you know, there's weird. a lot of stuff. <laughs> Like, we're in this fancy neighborhood. Yeah. Like, we don't have... We don't have this stuff. This we don't have this stuff happen. here. And it seems their suspicions were correct. In the spring of 1983, Michael gets arrested for odometer tampering, which ultimately means that he was setting the mileage back on cars so that he could sell them for more money. So is he doing this other stuff for, like, insurance fraud or... I don't... We never really know. But it's just kind of ads. Like, they're like, okay, this adds up, you know? If he wasn't doing it for money, that's just weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As you know, the less mileage there is on a car, the higher the price is, typically. Right. So, like, yeah, that's, like, definitely a bargain, right? Like... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He ends up pleading guilty, but doesn't serve any jail time. He gets 18 months probation and was even able to keep bargain motors. He really learned his lesson there. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Y'all got him. You got him. You got him. Michael and Marlene keep doing what they're doing for years. They just do their own thing. But then on September 23rd, 1988, John Ahrens, Marlene's oldest son, dies in a car accident. According to news reports, John was driving a 1983 Datsun in Florida when he failed to stop at an intersection and collided with another car. He hit 49-year-old Amelia Gonzalez who was driving a 1985 Oldsmobile. Gonzalez was treated at the hospital, but was later released. John was just 22 when he died, and he died the same way his father did, which I'm sure just added to the heartbreak. Right, I mean, no, that's just hard. Yeah. It is not unusual for the death of a child to put a strain on a marriage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the, that heartbreak is just too much for a relationship, and that's totally understandable. Mm-hmm. It just causes, you know problems and just tension those i mean with with death like that i feel like it either brings you very close or mm-hmm. it brings you very far apart yes and it did put a pretty big strain on michael and marlene's marriage things just aren't great with them at this point this is when sheila king enters the picture sheila was married to one of michael's employees richard spud king spud <laughs> spud that was his nickname He was actually one of the tow truck drivers that Michael used. And Sheila just adds to the mounting issues with Michael and Marlene. Because there were rumors that Sheila and Michael were having an affair. Those around Michael and Sheila would say that it was beyond obvious that they were having an affair. You know, just like having long lunches and just being very like overtly flirtatious with one another. Mm -hmm. 
but they adamantly denied it. Sheila did divorce her husband during this time as well. So take that information for what you will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this brings me to the crime, the murder at hand. And what do we know so far? Well, the suspect was wearing a clown costume. They brought flowers and a balloon. Plus, the police had a somewhat confusing description from Joey. We know, we also know what car they took off in, which was a white Chrysler LeBaron. I know the question going through your head right now is, where was Michael during this? And isn't he a prom suspect? We could only hope, but, um... (laughs) Well, um... (laughs) (laughs) yes, he was. Investigators uncover that Michael would often come into work just mad as hell after a fight him and Marlene would have. He would say things like, I'll make someone a rich man. They'll never have to work again if they just get rid of that woman. I mean, if that ain't prom suspect behavior, I, I don't know I mean, what it is. I mean, he's quite literally just laying it out like, on the table I mean, for really. him. But he also had an alibi. He was actually headed to the racetracks with friends. Also, and this is just a little side note, usually if men shoot their spouse, it's it's usually in the heart. Mm-hmm. And Marlene was shot in the face. It's definitely not enough to take him off the suspect list, of course, but just something investigators speculated about. Mm-hmm. So if Michael didn't do it, who did? The investigators start trying to come up with suspects. And in doing that, Michael and Sheila's affair gets brought up. An affair, well, that would be motive, Katie. That, that'll that bring you to the top of the list. Yes. And then wouldn't you know, a white Chrysler LeBaron is found in a parking lot in Winn-Dixie, about a mile from the Warrens' home. And it was a day before Marlene's funeral. When they search the car, they find orange curly fibers. Mm. Now, what would you think would have orange curly fibers? I'm going with a clown wig. Yep, exactly. You know what? You know what they also find? Long brown hair. You want to guess who had long brown hair at the time? Sheila. 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 You are correct. <laughs> They, at this point, them being the investigators, take a hard look into Sheila Keene and her background. Mm. Sheila Sheltra, Sheltra was her maiden name, had a little bit of an arrest record. She had been arrested for shoplifting and theft when she was younger. Mm -hmm. Sheila was described from people who knew her then as someone who liked hanging out with the wrong crowd and associated herself with older men. So she's got, you know, a Mm -hmm. good head on her shoulders. Exactly. She actually married Richard Keene right out of high school. He was 20 years older than her. Richard Keene, by the way, was a member of the KKK. So, you know, a real piece of shit. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, when you say wrong crowd, I'm thinking like maybe she's getting into drugs, getting into stealing. Right. And then she was like, no, no, baby, I'm going with the worst of the fucking worst. Yeah. Great. <laughs> he also served time in Georgia for running marijuana. Police find out that after Richard serves that time, that's when they move back to Florida and work for Michael. Police also uncover that Michael was up to more than just tampering with odometers. Bargain Motors had the reputation of just being sketchy. They, I mean, I guess like most, a lot of hometowns, a lot of towns have that sketchy we've car all got, We've all got you a know, sketchy car about, yeah. I can tell you exactly which one. Tra- I'm not going to, but I, I mean... If you, we live, got if you live in Churchill, you know. You know which one it is. 
even in Kingsport, like, we got them. Yeah, you, you, know? you know which one it is in, in Churchill. <laughs> they learn, the investigators learn, that Sheila pretended to be a sex worker and met this man who had bought a car from Bargain Motors. They meet at this hotel. Sheila then holds this guy at gunpoint while Michael and Richard repo the car. So she's familiar with guns. But it's like, my guy, you're doing way too much over a used car. But yeah, that, that's a but, lot. But whatever. But whatever. That's to each lot. its own. To <laughs> each its own. I mean, how much was that car really? Like back then? What? I mean, $2,000? Real- like, right. Chill out. Not, maybe not even Chill that. out, Michael. Chill out. Like, yeah. <laughs> so after Richard and Sheila divorce, Sheila gets an apartment at an apartment complex called Pine Ridge. The neighbors all assumed that Sheila was married. And why would that be? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because of all the time Michael spent over there. So, all of this is just piling up for investigators. Bad signs, babes. Bad signs. Red flags. Mm -hmm. But how could they connect the orange curly fibers, the long brown hair, and the car to Sheila and Michael? DNA testing wasn't what it is today. But investigators were piecing the puzzle together one lead at a time. Investigators go into Spotlight Capazio Costume Shop. I hope I said that right. And learn that just a couple of days before the murder, the shop actually did have a person come in and buy a clown costume. Hmm. But what really stuck out to the two women who ran the shop wasn't the fact that this person bought a clown costume. It was the fact that the customer was adamant that they get a costume despite the fact that the shop was already closed. Basically, the person was like, no, I, I have to have one today. Like aggressive over a clown costume? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah. That's weird. The customer bought the costume, a clown wig, clown makeup, and a sponge nose. They described the customer as being a woman who was around 5'8", brown eyes, long brown hair, wearing jeans, and a work shirt. The shop workers ended up picking Sheila out of a photo lineup. Boom. Then... Then, investigators go search for where the balloons and flowers were purchased from. They stop at a Publix that wasn't too far from Sheila's apartment. And this Publix was actually the only place where you could get the type of balloons that the shooter had the day of the murder. And just like with the costume shop, the employees at Publix identified a woman who had long brown hair that bought those balloons about an hour before the murders took place. They also find out that the Chrysler LeBaron was stolen. It was a rental car, and the renters were trying to return the car. They look in the yellow pages and find Payless Motors, where they had rented from. Mm-hmm. Except it wasn't. Michael had put in an ad in the yellow pages that was pretty deceiving. He had his business name on there, but in big letters put Payless because it was a bargain. Right. So he was telling them Payless. So the renters thought they were calling Payless Motors, when really they were calling Bargain Motors. It was really quite deceiving. Someone from Bargain Motors answers the phone and tells them to park the car and leave the keys on the dash and someone would come pick it up. Sketchy, right? Yeah, that's weird. Well, then it was reported stolen. So you're probably thinking what I was thinking as I was researching this case. That has got to be enough for an arrest, right? Yeah. Wrong. Prosecutors just didn't think that they had enough evidence. I mean, I understand because it's Mostly circumstantial, and especially back then without... Yeah, DNA. Yeah, without DNA. Even the hair is circumstantial, but... um, Picking her up out of, picking her out of a lineup, 
the car situation. Yeah, so like, you've got all that circumstantial mm-hmm. evidence. Then you've got witness, mm-hmm. eyewitnesses that are picking her out. You're yeah. like, yeah, she bought a clown costume. It was this girl. Like, mm-hmm. So a year goes by with no arrest, and Michael and Sheila are still denying their relationship. And to prove it, guess what they do? Break up. They go on vacation together. Oh. <laughs> in the in the Bahamas. That'll that'll do it. Yeah. That'll do it. It was real convincing. The police find out about this and decide to turn the heat up on Michael. And they start to investigate his business once again. And what do they find? Old Michael's been tampering with odometers again. He just can't stay away from him. He can't help himself. He also gets charged with like 20 charges of racketeering. And while Michael does serve some time this time, Nine years, in fact. Nothing connects him or Sheila to the murder. The case, unfortunately, goes pretty cold after this. Michael serves his jail time and gets out. Do you want to know what Michael and Sheila, the two that weren't having an affair, do? Yes. They get married. But they don't like each other. They don't love each other. They're not together. They're not together. They're not having an affair. affair. But they get married. Right. Really adds up, doesn't it? I mean, that's what I do to people that I don't like. I just, I mean, I've been married like 156 times. So. Right, right. <laughs> I hope you can detect the sarcasm in my voice right now. Case is still cold up until 2013 when Palm Beach County sheriffs get a grant to reopen cold cases, one of them being the Wellington Clown murder. They were able to take that evidence they collected and DNA test it. Now, if you're from Kingsport, in the surrounding areas, you know of a fast food restaurant called the Purple Cow. It's located off of Stone Drive, or also known as 11W, in Kingsport. 11W. Shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. In Kingsport. And it's usually the reason why traffic is so heavy. They usually, like that line is usually backed up to the road. It's, yeah. It used to be. Yeah, I mean... It's not really... It, ever since they got new owners and... Right. It wasn't, you know... They've sped up the process, I feel like, a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a very popular restaurant around here. And Michael and Sheila... Sheila, by the way, who changed her name to Debbie, are the people who opened and ran the restaurant. And at this time, they are doing well. They live in Abington, Virginia, which is just right across the state line. They lived on the lake, had a boat. They were always having parties and entertaining guests. But Sheila does slip up. And one night, while drinking with co-workers, Sheila confesses to getting away with murder in Florida. The police statement doesn't go into much detail about that, but while the Warrens are just like living their lives in Virginia and Tennessee, investigators get a break. And on September 26, 2017, Michael and Sheila were heading home when they get stopped by police. They arrests Sheila for the murder of Marlene, first-degree murder with a firearm. The only thing she says while they're placing the handcuffs on her is, is my husband getting arrested too? Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) On April 25th, 2023, Sheila pleads guilty to second-degree murder. She was set for trial May 12th, 2023, which at the time of this recording was yesterday. She was sentenced to 12 years in prison with 2,039 days served on her record. Florida law in 1990 allowed for time off for good behavior, so her attorney, Greg Rosenfield, expects her to be released early next year. And as for Michael, no charges have been brought against him. 
But I do have a little side story to tell you. Okay. Okay. So, Michael and Marlene's son, Joey. Mm-hmm. Okay. He got into some trouble. Joey gets arrested. And it's basically, he was just wrong place, wrong time, just hanging out with the wrong crowd. Okay. And his attorney, you know, gets him off or whatever. They walk out of that courthouse and they're celebrating. Okay. Michael turns to this attorney and says, if a man were to kill his wife, would he still get the life insurance money? And the attorney was like, "Mm, no, but, you know, if someone were to, you know, dress as a clown or something and totally disguise themselves, then there's no way they could get caught because they're in full costume. You wouldn't be able to recognize them. And he just thought this was just a random, innocent conversation he was having with Michael. Yeah. What in the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said. But, Michael, there are no charges that have been brought against him. And... That's the biggest load of shit. I I know. (laughs) Like you're telling me. And also her probably going to be getting out in, like, the next year. Mm Mm-hmm. Also a giant load of shit. Yep. So... Yeah, that's where that's where we're at with that. But oh, did you like? Also, I love the pictures where she used to dress up as a clown all the time for Halloween. Yes, she did. She, she would. would dress up as a clown often for yes. Halloween at the Purple Cow. Yes, I'll post that picture um, on our social media. And I'm like, why don't but, you just dangle it in front of everyone's face? And apparently, she used to like entertain as a clown. Yeah. So like, I mean, it's like she was just holding candy in front of a baby. At yeah. the cops. I mean, I mean, she was like, catch me if you can, bitches. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, it's wild. Like, that, I didn't think, like, this went as deep as it did. But, man. That's some shit. It was. So, anyways, that was my story today. Yes, that's a good story. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And thanks for everyone listening. And, because I know that this episode will come out on Tuesday, but it's Saturday, so tomorrow's Sunday. Happy Mother's Day. Yes, happy Mother's to Day. To all the mamas and mommies and mothers and moms and mamas. Yes. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I, I'm not a mother. But happy Mother's Day to you. And happy Mother's Day to my mom. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> all right, guys. We will see you next time. See you next week. Bye. Bye. We'd like to thank Mikey Kinley for audio and editing and our friend Avalyn Yulaberry for our cover art. Make sure to like and follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram is M3Podcast and you can find us on Facebook under the name of our podcast, which is Murder Mayhem. And we're low. <laughs>